Hello everyone and welcome back to Extreme Revisited. I'm your host Doug Bag and I'm here representing the Indie Corner. Very happy to be here once again to take a look into the world of Extreme Championship Wrestling. So just again, just a wee explanation, I'm new to ECW so this is all fresh new thoughts on the world of ECW and we're taking a look back at the compilation DVDs that ECW released between the years 2000 and 2001. You can go back into the archives at SoundCloud or on your Apple podcast feed to find the first two episodes. Uh, but today we'll be looking at DVD number three, which is ECW Deep Impact, that was released in April 2001. So about five months after the last previous DVD here at ECW. And as you guys know, a little concept, every day is a school day, a little fun fact about ECW before we delve into the DVD. So as I was researching ECW this week, two names popped up of possible signees for ECW, because ECW had incredible amount of roster from Psychosis, Rey Mysterio, Cactus Jack, Mike Awesome, Bam Bam, Tanaka, incredible roster from all different horizons of wrestling. But there are two names that came up that were apparently very, very close to debuting in the Philadelphia arena, but it never managed to actually happen. So I'll give you a little second to show out home and show off to whoever's in the room with you if you know the answer. And the two names that came up for me, there might be other ones, there might be other names that are completely correct, but the two names that came up for me that are really big names, former WWF and WWE workers, those two names are the British Bulldog and Ultimate Warrior. So British Bulldog back in 1992, right at the beginning when it was still Eastern Championship Wrestling apparently was in talks to come along and then... Uh, in 1999, Ultimate Warrior apparently was very, very close to debuting in the Philadelphia arena. Um, there's a lot of what-ifs and could-haves had been uh, in wrestling, but I think that's a really interesting one to just take a think about what would the Ultimate Warrior would have looked like in ECW. I really wonder. Also, another one that could have been said was, of course, Kurt Angle, who almost did debut at ECW, but then was put off with the extreme nature of ECW. I think he witnessed the crucifixion with Sandman and him, Kurt Angle being a religious man, uh, was put off for life from uh, joining ECW. But then he did, he put on the ECW t-shirt in 2006 for One Night Stand as a kind of homage to that story. But yeah, the two names, British Bulldog and Ultimate Warrior. Very weird one, but very interesting. So let's delve right into ECW Deep Impact, like I said, released in April 2001. And as usual, Joey Styles is our host. I'll take a little minute to say, I don't say, I've not said enough for the last two episodes of what an amazing job Joey Styles does, not only on commentary in ECW, but as the host of the DVD, giving us enough insight and explanation into the matches and getting us excited for the choices of matches on this DVD. So. The host, Joey Styles, welcomes us to the DVD and tells us how much of a deep impact ECW had, hence the title of the DVD, and we're going to be seeing that with the matches here today. So first bracket is indeed title matches. Hey, yo, 
So Joey Styles explains that one of the most unusual television champions was indeed Mikey Whipwreck. Mikey Whipwreck was uh, known for being thrown around kind of like Spike Dudley, uh, an underdog on all senses of the term, but managed to get a surprising win beating Sandman for the TV title. It was around this time that Steve Austin, not yet Stone Cold, uh, Steve Austin had joined the ECW and had started an intense rivalry with Sandman. So you see the clip, they show you the clip of Sandman being distracted by Steve Austin coming in and Whipwreck using a ladder that Steve Austin brought in through into the ring to get the win over Sandman and win the title. Also in that little clip you see Austin taking a cigarette and smoking it to just wind up Sandman which I really really liked. Um, and then you see when Stone Cold got shot one-on-one -on -one with Mikey Ripbreck, um, he ended up brawling with uh, Sandman and didn't get the win either. So the only way that it, come, it could come to a head was indeed in a three-way dance for the television title. So that's what we have, which is a three-way dance between the champion Mikey Ripbreck defending against Steve Austin and Sandman. And it's in December of 1995. And little note, if you look up this match and do a bit of research, this was the final appearance of Stone Cold. Um, before he went to WWE uh, for the second time and became Stone Cold Steve Austin. Uh, and I think the fans were aware of this, ECW being a very clever crowd uh, and into the tape trading communicating between each other. They all knew it. that's why Steve Austin is not liked at this point and is getting booed straight as we go into the match. Um, so he's shaved at this point because in the previous clips, Steve Austin had the hair and he looks like an absolute badass. But the Sandman can't be seen at this point and it is only Whiprick and Austin in the match to start off. Um, Austin gets a bit of Whiprick very quickly and beats him down. And as he's beating him down, suddenly we hear dum dum da da dum the famous notes from Metallica. Here comes the Sandman with his beer can, his cigarette, his tag team tight championship, which he'd won with two Cold Scorpio at the time. And he's also accompanied by women. Shout out to women who doesn't get mentioned enough, but what a great manager and uh, really does a job of spinning the cane and helping with that badass character that Sandman has. Um, so Austin isn't bothered and keeps on beating up what it might be Whipwreck and uh, hits a pile driver on the outside. And Sandman doesn't want to go in. He's just finishing his beer and smoke. It's easy days for the Sandman. He's enjoying his time. Um, and there's a really interesting moment where Austin taunt Sandman by doing the fake smoking sign which then became part of that kind of the Stone Cold Steve Austin hype up movement so it's really interesting that that might have been one of the early conceptions of that taunt that then he took to the WWE and evolved as the Steve Austin character evolved with him um, but Sandman and Austin finally come in and beat each other up Mikey comes finally back with a hurricane runner on Sandman he goes for one on Austin from the top rope but it's reversed into a spine buster and then Austin hits Mikey Whipwreck with the stun gun, which was his old finisher, which is a flapjack into the ropes, which is a really weird choice of finisher. Again, weird, weird side note that that used to be Austin's finisher. But yeah, and it gets a pin on Mikey Whipwreck, so he's eliminated from the triple threat, and there is a new champion guaranteed at 12 minutes. Sandman and Austin continue to fight, and there's real animosity between the two. The brawling's really intense. There's even a chokehold at one point by Austin. He just uh, sleeper holds him right down. Uh, but Austin then grabs a beer and this is this is a really interesting point where he starts showing off with the beer uh, and drinking it and then he pours the beer into Sandman's mouth and goes to taunt on the on the corner rope and Sandman pops up uh, like Popeye has spinach I guess 
Sandman has beer, long live Coors or whatever your beer of choice because apparently that can help you win a match. Uh, so then Austin fights back against the Sandman being revived and manages to hit a stun gun, stun gun sorry, but it doesn't get the three. Uh, the referee's suddenly distracted by women and Sandman uses the brass knucks while the ref's distracted to crown a new champion, a new TV champion in Sandman at 20 minutes and one second. Um, interesting choice for the first match um, because this match wasn't, um, let's say, move heavy. It wasn't about the athleticism. It was very much about the feud and I think that's why they spent a lot of time hyping it up in the package before to really get you invested in the story. Um, it was really cool to see Steve Austin in the ECW arena. Um, I know his stint wasn't long and a lot more of it was promo based and match based. Um, but I don't know if this was the best choice of matchup for Austin to show. But like I say, I'm not an ECW expert. So if there's any other Austin matches to check out on ECW, I'd love to see them. Um, it was an interesting brawl. Like I say, women was a highlight for me as well. But there wasn't anything really special about this match. That's what kind of bothered me as an opening match. Um, but again, it felt interesting because of the story uh, of Whiprep losing to Sandman and Austin's final match. So for historic reasons, interesting to see. So we're back with Joy Styles explaining that Terry Funk won the title at 50 years, 53 years old, beating Raven. What an amazing feat in itself. And I mean, Terry Funk is synonymous with ECW for all the work that he did and the amount of times he put his body on the line and how much the fans love him, as I'll get to in this match. Um, but however, the returning Sabu decided to challenge the Funker for the ECW Championship. And they decided the only way that they could do this match was under a barbed wires matchup which is obviously we've seen it before here in ECW in the compilations where the ropes are replaced with barbed wire and Joey Styles says that this is one of the hardest matches he has ever had to call and as you know I have a bit of nervousness uh, about extreme matches and he said this we weren't even in the hardcore matches bracket so I was sweating and getting very white, worried and uh, a little bit green in the face uh, and that kind of colour probably grew as this match went on. So yes, it's for the ECW Championship, born to be wired, as it was called, a barbed wire ropes matchup. Terry Funk, the champion, defending against Sabu. Uh, first thing I had to note, the reaction for Terry Funk as he's introduced is amazing. The, the love and respect the fans have for Terry Funk is beautiful. Um, the match starts and Funk gets the the above on Sabu with some strong punches. Terry Funk has got some amazing looking punches. They look so good. And I like the styles clash of Funk's being an old school brawler and Sabu trying to get the speed on him. Uh, but it doesn't work and very quickly they start throwing each other into the wire but avoid it closely. There's a really nice pile driver that only gets a two by Funk on Sabu. And then we get to it. I mean, the fans are waiting for it. Sabu gets thrown into the barbed wire and then is lifted atomic drop style onto the top barbed wire. And his trousers get ripped straight away. No, none of these nice uh, funky trousers from Sabu. It's just ripped to shreds uh, as he starts to get cut all over the place. Uh, 
Funk gets thrown into the wires and then Sabu takes out a spike from his boot and just starts to stab Terry Funk. Uh, my uncomfortableness was up to 10 by this point and I knew that the match was not over. Um, Funk rolls out and uh, Sabu then goes for a leg drop in the corner against Terry Funk but Terry Funk manages to roll out the way and there's a real nasty point where Sabu runs at him over in the corner obviously and just lands in the barbed wire in the corner. Um, horrible to watch. Alfonso, Bill Alfonso, we love talking about him, the marching whistle band as I like to call him, comes in to try and stop Funk but by this point Terry Funk has wrapped his hand in barbed wire and he punches and rakes Alfonso with that barbed wire so Alfonso t-shirt is now a mess. No fabric should be allowed in this match because it just gets ripped to shreds. Um, very sad for all those fabric people out there, people who like nice clothes. Um, Sabu then cuts the wire we'd seen previously in other barbed wire matches but RVD comes out to beat the Funk and he wraps Terry Funk in barbed wire. Um, and he gets put on a table and Sabu drop, leg drops him right through that table. Out comes Tommy Dreamer and he stops RVD, hits him with a DDT on the outside and carries the lifeless RVD out. So now we're back to just Terry Funk and Sabu. Um, Terry Funk at this point now kind of resembles the bat inside a barbed wire bat as he is wrapped totally in barbed wire. Sabu then decides to wrap himself in barbed wire and now it just... It is very uncomfortable to watch in these last few minutes because these guys can barely move without cutting each other and how much they are they are wrapped in barbed wire. They slowly get pushed back into the ring with help with from Alfonso and Sabu manages to hold down Terry Funk for the three in 20 minutes and 40 seconds. Sabu is your new champion. Uh, and the medics take a few minutes to unwrap both men from the barbed wire and it's shown on the DVD and Sabu... Like we mentioned in the previous uh, DVD, Sabu got injured in the Sandman match. Sabu got injured in this match by cutting his arm brutally open. Um, so yeah, my thoughts on this match. Uh, I'm going to try and be polite, but the only thing I've got written is what the fuck did I just watch? Um, it started really exciting with both men getting some interesting offense and then the pile driver was a highlight. But then it just turned so sour so quickly. Um, I know Terry Funk is a hardcore legend and he plays on the emotions of the fans very well but it's so hard to watch um, even Sabu with the injury these men just getting ripped to shreds by the barbed wire and uh, the crowd it's interesting because the ECW crowd are known for being bloodthirsty but there's no excitement much anymore it's just the oohs and ahs of uh, the violence uh, so I can't think of how anyone would enjoy this match if that's what you're looking for in watching wrestling is enjoyment I don't know how you'd get enjoyment out of it I, but this is my opinion I would be love to hear uh, other people's opinions on why they enjoy this match why why it holds up well but for me uh, all I can say is why what did I just watch why what did I just watch uh, why over and over again uh, and I don't think I'll forget the visuals if that's what they wanted I don't think I will forget the visuals from this match um, extremely hard to watch brutality at its finest outlook.
So back to Joey Styles, where he mentioned a match that we've already kind of uh, mentioned before, but we didn't get to see beforehand in the last two DVDs, but it had been mentioned. Uh, it's the ECW television title with Taz defending it against Bam Bam Bigelow. So if you've seen the other compilation DVDs, you'll know how this match ends. But this match is rather infamous for certain moments in it. So I was very excited to see this match because I love both Taz and Bam Bam. Taz at this point would be the dominant TV champion, but accepted the challenge of Big Bam Bam Bigelow. And it was in um, Bam Bam's hometown. And this match was at Living Dangerously 1998. So here we go. Um, Bam Bam gets an incredible reaction obviously because it is his hometown uh, and Taz is getting booed out of the building so interesting reactions they are not maybe what the Philadelphia crowd would react like but very good to see a different type of reaction there and this match starts with a very quick pace Taz clothesline Bam Bam straight out of the ring and Bam Bam goes straight into the timekeeper's table what a quick start um, but things start to slow down a little bit because Bam Bam manages to hit a big power bomb um, and Bam Bam's got the strength advantage and the, the, the weight advantage and he's he's overlooming on Taz until Taz manages to fight onto the outside ramp and there is a T-bone suplex from Taz onto Bam Bam over the guardrail into the crowd from the ramp. That's a holy shit moment if there is or was one. Insane moment. Incredible to see. They start to brawl back to the to the ring. It takes a time and Bam Bam gets in the ring and hits a Bam Salt that only gets a two. Uh, he brings back a table into it. There's a power bomb attempt by Bam Bam, but instead Taz just deadlifts Bam Bam. Amazing strength once again, and lifts him face first like a flapjack straight into that table. Again, amazing strength there by by Taz. Um, they go onto the outside and brawl with chairs, and finally getting back in the ring. Bam Bam's looking strong, but Taz then jumps on his back with a Taz mission. Bam Bam struggling to reverse or get any kind of momentum, so instead he jumps back the way and they break the ring, falling right through, making a big dent in the ring. You can't see either men. They've just fallen straight through. The crowd go mental. Uh, Bam Bam slowly crawls out of the hole, pulls Taz out. 1, 2, 3, 13, 35. Uh, winner, a new TV champion, Bam Bam Bigelow. Really fun match there. Uh... Exciting to see Taz in a kind of underdog position with its size and using his strength uh, to get offense on Bam Bam Bigelow. Uh, I felt there was slight slowdown moments when they were brawling in the crowd where I got a bit lost, but it is very much worth a watch for those big moments that I was explaining. The big suplex into the crowd is insane still to this day. It's what the hell? And uh, that final moment is infamous with ECW. I've seen it many before, many times before in highlight packages, and I'm sure it'll be replayed long after we're all gone. Um, not the most long match or intense match, but really cool for those moments, and really happy I finally got to see Taz v Bam Bam in its fullest. So we're on to our second bracket of matches, which is indeed hardcore matches. The sweat on my brow is very much there. And Joey Styles explains that the this is very much a makeshift of four men put together, and that is Terry Funk teaming with the Sandman against Shane Douglas and Cactus Jack. 
very interesting choices of uh, tag teams and very exciting to see how these guys will interact, especially on the side of Shane Douglas and Cactus Jack. Uh, knowing both characters, you're like, how is this going to work? How are they going to get along? And I'll say this full disclosure before the beginning of the match, Mick Foley is one of my all-time favourite wrestlers. He's one of the wrestlers I was instantly drawn to when I got into wrestling. And in a, in a way, I still think he's criminally underrated because... Um, he will forever be remembered in influencing wrestling, not only for his style, but his evolution of the style as he went between different companies, but also, of course, the evolution of his characters and the way he was able to adapt and evolve. Uh, I think he should be talked about more, even though he is a legend. I still think, oh, in a way, he is underrated. But that's, by the way, I just wanted to disclose that in case you can tell I have a kind of um, siding for Mick Foley. Uh, Joy Styles warns us before this match that we have to keep our eyes out for the iron branding. What does that mean? I, I was so scared. You what, mate? What? Iron branding in wrestling? Okay, I will keep my eyes out for that. So the match is Terry Funk and the Sandman teaming against Cactus Jack and Shane Douglas on March of 1995. Uh, Cactus Jack and Terry Funk are hardcore legends and also hardcore legends for facing each other. They have had many matches over the years and they go straight at each other, and Sandman and Shane Douglas go straight at each other, so let's see how it gets into it. Shane Douglas very quickly grabs a cane um, to defend himself, and starts hitting Sandman and the Funk, and then Cactus Jack runs in, and he hits Cactus Jack, and suddenly realises what he's done, and runs away. What an asshole. What an asshole, Shane Douglas. Um, so then Cactus is left by himself, he does the Cactus clothesline, the famous running clothesline uh, over the ropes, and... Uh, starts beating down on Terry Funk and Sandman. Shane Douglas finally comes back and Sandman and Funk remove the guardrail from the crowd and use it in the ring, use it as a weapon, slam Shane Douglas onto it when it's standing up. Um, then they start to brawl outside again, everyone's on the outside and Terry Funk hits a massive DDT onto the concrete on Cactus Jack. Um, and Sandman then manages to roll Cactus in the ring and Shane Douglas has then by this point disappeared again he doesn't want none of the action uh, but as Sandman goes to the pin Shane Douglas discreetly runs back in and stops the pin again the asshole count is high with Shane Douglas Funk then appears out of nowhere from the from the entranceway with a flaming iron yes a flaming iron you heard it right an iron an iron branding that's on flame big flames uh, and runs at Cactus and brands him right on the chest uh, with that iron. Lovely. And as Douglas is distracted with Sandman, because uh, Shane Douglas is hitting him with kendo sticks, Funk actually hits a pile driver on the flaming iron and gets the 1, 2, 3 at 12 minutes and 53 seconds. Shane Douglas, even though the match is over, just keeps on hitting people with kendo sticks because he's just a fucking asshole. Uh, <laughs> so, again, this may sound repetitive, just a weird choice for a DVD because uh, 12 minutes 53, not the longest match. There wasn't that many big moments apart from, of course, the insane and hardcore iron branding, which, yes, is completely ECW-esque, just um, without much context to why each guys were feuding. There was a lot of brawling, um, which kind of kept me out of it. Um, but I will say this again, uh, as this is a recurring thing, more and more I'm watching ECW, Shane Douglas stands out to me 
as someone incredible to watch. He was just being such an asshole, as I said, running in and out of the match, avoiding getting hurt, only using the candlestick for offence. Uh, what an asshole. I love it. Shane Douglas, uh, you've turned me into a big fan of yours, mate. Uh, well played. <laughs>
uh, great stuff, no complaints here. So we're into our final brackets for this DVD, which is classic matches, usually good stuff here. So Joey Styles explains that um, Psychosis that we'd seen in the last DVD closing things out um, had left ECW after that and had gone to WCW. Uh, but now he returned back in 2000 and his face he had to face Tajiri for his first returning match. So that's what we've got here today with Tajiri v Psychosis on August 2000. Um, very excited to see this match and it didn't hold back. Uh, both men start with holds and submissions trying to get the best of each other and there's a great modified Boston Crab by Tajiri, really interesting way of twisting Psychosis' body. Um, the exchange, then they exchange pinfalls and close arm control um, and when they're doing the pins the arm is held onto the whole time during these exchanges and the fans at the end of it give it a standing ovation and that's just great to see in ECW when there is amazing wrestling the fans see it the fans appreciate it and it, it builds so well and gives such a good feeling uh, when great wrestling is appreciated and then but then it turns to the sour because you can't just have nice holds as they start to brawl and there's a huge dive from psychosis over the top rope onto Tajiri they get back in the ring, there's a beautiful handspring elbow by Tajiri. Um, I'll say it now, the kicks of Tajiri are, I'd probably say top 10 kicker now that I've seen more of his work. The, the kicks and striking his ability by Tajiri is so good to watch. So if you're a fan of loud and strong kicks, check out Tajiri's work. There's some very close victory rolls in there as well where I thought it could have been over at any point. Uh, but they managed to kick out both both men rolling each other up. Um, Tajiri giving homage to Mikey Whipwreck, he has a whippersnapper, but then Psychosis gets control again and hits a top rope leg drop, that's his finisher, but Tajiri manages to kick out. There's an insane reversal as Psychosis bumps off the ropes to go for a head scissors, but Tajiri just drop kicks him as he's flying at him, which looked nasty, but looked great at the same time. Um, then Tajiri finally closes things in with a massive head kick, a thrust kick, and then a running drop kick that gets the three, and Tajiri wins in 14 minutes and 49 seconds. Um, what a match. This this is just an insane example of, of smaller guys doing everything right, from wrist holds into building into strikes, then building into diving off the top rope, and then back into the ring for an intense exchange. Um, I believed every pinfall. I thought it could have ended at any point, so I was really invested. That tells you how much I was invested in the match and how well it was building. Um, Tajiri's speed and his mix of striking makes him just so, so good to watch. And Psychosis, you can tell, has almost got something to prove in the way that he throws things at Tajiri coming from WCW. Um, I might not have said much on this match note-wise, because that is how much I enjoyed it. This stole the DVD for me, this matchup. Uh, I saw in some reports that this was probably one of the better matches before ECW came to a close, because it was in 2000. At this point, so we're nearing the end of ECW. Um, but what a way to go out if that's one of the best, because these two guys held nothing back. Definitely check this one out. Tajiri Psychosis, what a match. Gotta keep them separated.
So Joey Styles then introduces us to one of the weirdest matches in ECW. His words, not mine. Uh, okay, we'll see what that is. Uh, so Stevie Richard was part of the flock at this point, as he explained, and obviously Raven being the leader of the flock. So Raven had lots of women acolytes, and women loved Raven, and that was one of Raven's quote-unquote effects uh, on people. And so Stevie then kind of got a little bit jealous and decided to bring his girlfriend, Francine, into the flock. But the two couldn't get along, so there's only one way to sort that in ECW, and it's not going to see a uh, therapist or counsellor. That is, of course, to have a match. So that's what we have to close the DVD. Beulah McGillicutty vs Francine, with the special guest referee being Stevie Richards. And it's in August 1995. Awkward, awkward thing to put your boyfriend in the position of referee... Um, for your matchup, uh, we'll see how it goes. Stevie smile, Stevie's smile is one of the best things as this match starts. He's just got the biggest, cheesiest grin, as you can tell. He's so happy to be enjoying the sights and enjoying the athleticism of this match. And he's also wearing one of the sexiest ref tops you could ever see, which is a cut ref top. So it's like a kind of women's bra referee tank top thing. It's great. Steve Richards well played. Ten out of ten for effort on that one. Uh, and then he gets on the mic and explains that he has to check the participants, obviously, for foreign objects. His quote, it's a dirty job, but someone got to do it. Wink, wink. So he checks them down, pads them down. Raven's not a happy boy about that. But finally rings the bell and both women run at each other. And we have the usual cat fight by Joey Styles as both women start to pull each other's hair and roll on the floor. So then Beulah gets the better of this exchange and uh, beats Francine down and then removes her t-shirt her t and her shorts, leaving Francine in her underwear. Then Beulah brings a frying pan into the match, but Francine manages to grab it, hitting Beulah. And then she also strips Beulah down to her underwear. At this point, Francine's got control and Raven interferes and starts to grab Francine. So then Richards, Steve Richards, is put in a very awkward position where he has to choose between his girlfriend Francine and the flock, his master Raven. And after quite a while, he looks at Francine and super kicks Francine in the face. Uh, and that gives Beulah the pin at seven minutes and 57 seconds. Afterwards, all three, so Raven and Stevie, assist Beulah in hitting a pile driver with a wedgie, obviously. Francine. Uh, the less said about this match the better, let's just say it that way. Uh, obviously both women are very beautiful and uh, but this match isn't there for the athleticism, let's just say it that way and it's clearly, with my notes you can clearly kind of hopefully understand the tone of this match. Um, I enjoyed Richards being there, he was very entertaining and I understand that this was a major storyline moment maybe, this was a big story in ECW where uh, uh, Richards decided to beat his girlfriend, uh, beat up his girlfriend and join the flock, fully commit to it. Um, but yeah, this isn't what I look for in wrestling when I go and watch wrestling, so I had a bit of an uncomfortable time trying to review this. Sorry if this is anyone's favourite match, uh, if it is, I wonder why it is. But yeah, I'm sorry if it is your favourite match, because it's not going to be on my top 10 matches of all time, for sure. Yes. So, that wraps up the DVD uh, of ECW Deep Impact. Uh, sadly, you might have got this from my tone of the rundown of the matches. This is my least DVD, favourite DVD so far in the ECW compilations. Um, 
not necessarily saying that means it's a bad DVD. It's just very hard when the, I felt the DVD didn't open very strong or close very strong. So it gives you a very hard lasting impression. Uh, and I felt this was the hardest one to watch overall. I kind of got the impression with the compilations that at this point they kind of realised that they needed to kind of get more of the storylines uh, displayed and um, into this and how all the different chapters of the character evolutions. Um, so maybe that's why this one was more um, storyline driven. Um, so, but apart from the Tajiri Psychosis match, which I highly recommend people going and watching that if you haven't seen it, and the tag match with Awesome Tanaka, Jerry Lennon, just incredible. It didn't feel like there was anything very much notable or that I will be talking about a lot match-wise, apart from the moments that were in it, and that's what I kind of trying to say. It felt way much more of a moment DVD than it did a uh, uh, quality of matches DVD. Which is a shame because I've been getting into the kind of rhythm of enjoying quite a few matches from ECW and respecting the athleticism. Um, so yeah, this one was very hard to watch and the heaviest note I got from the Bulet and Francine and the Sabu and Sandman match was, uh, Sabu, uh, Sabu and Funk, sorry, uh, was I just find it really hard to explain to somebody if just somebody walked in while I was watching ECW, this DVD, why I was watching it. Whereas if so they'd been walked in, walked in during the Tanaka Awesome match or the Rey Mysterio Psychosis or even the Tajiri Psychosis match from this, I could easily explain why I was interested in watching this. But with some of the choices here, it felt a bit like guilty pleasure watching. Sorry if I've offended anyone by saying that. Please hit me up on Twitter at Dougbag if you disagree or you agree or you've got anything I should watch from the ECW period or you just want a wee discussion. Uh, you can also find this on at the Indie Corner um, soundcloud.com slash indie corner or on your apple podcast feed at the indie corner so yeah this has been episode three of extreme revisited i will be obviously back next week for the final dvd compilation which will be hardcore history uh so i'm very excited to finally close that dvd compilation chapter and then if you've got any suggestions of what i should look at next what you'd like to hear me review next from the ecw chronicles here at extreme revisited i'd love to hear your thoughts take care have a lovely week uh, see you guys very soon. Stay extreme. <laughs> <laughs>